The scripture for this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 11, verses 1 through 2a, the beginning of verse 2, and verse 29 through 32. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience. So they have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may be merciful to all. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. We have been in the book of Romans for the past several weeks. If you have been watching the sermons online, you have seen uh, kind of the themes that have been developing. Paul has been discussing the relationship between the Gentiles and the Jews and the salvation that has been offered to the Gentiles through the Jews. Paul loved his people, the Jewish nation, the Israelites, because he was part of them. And a few weeks ago, he expressed great sorrow at the fact that some of his own people had rejected Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior of the world. He even goes as far as saying that he would trade places with them, that he would be separated from Christ if it meant that they would come to salvation and to the knowledge that Jesus was indeed the Messiah that they had been waiting for. Today, we find Paul still considering his people, and he has been discussing uh, the salvation that the Gentiles have received in light of the rejection that the Jewish people have, have given to Jesus. And he begins with a serious question today. Has God rejected his people? Has God rejected Israel and the Jews? That whole line of David, that whole descendant, all those descendants of Abraham. If one considers the whole history of the Jews and what they did, one would think that God would be more than justified in rejecting his people. Think about it. God spoke to them through the prophets and the law and the Old Testament, and yet they, they killed the prophets. They rejected God's direction time and time again. God spoke to them and, and led them out of Egypt and slavery to take them to a promised land. And they turned to other gods along the way and complained the whole way there. God even supernaturally provided food and nourishment for their needs, allowed their clothes never to wear out over the years that they traveled in the wilderness. And yet, they complained and complained and complained. And God came in the form of Jesus Christ. And what did they do to him? They crucified him. They rejected him. They did not accept him as the expected Messiah. So based on our human logic, God would be more than justified in dumping the Jews for the Gentiles. Think about it. If somebody did that much to you, you'd be like, I'm done with you. You know, I'm, I'm through. 
Uh, you know, I gave you a chance. I gave you more than one chance. I gave you many chances, and you've messed up. The Gentiles, unlike the Jews, received Jesus and his good news with open arms. Many of them displayed incredible faith, faith that Jesus even said he had not found among his own people. Even though they lacked the background of the Jewish Old Testament and the prophets and the law, they came to believe that Jesus was the Savior of the world and, and began to believe that he could lead them in a new way of life. The Gentiles were willing to recognize their sin, to confess it, and to change. They were joyous to be let in to God's grace. And, you know, we know some of the attitudes among, among the Jews. They, they, they acted like they, they never did anything wrong. They tried to follow the law, and they were, you know, holier than thou at times. Considering all this, we would come down on the side of, yeah, God has rejected his people, as he well should, because they were just terrible to him. But Paul, answering this question, says, by no means. God has not rejected his people you want proof? I am living proof that God has not rejected the Israelites because I am of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a descendant of Abraham. I am part of the people of God, and God has used me to bring the gospel and the good news to you. So there's your proof. God has not rejected his people. And there are numerous examples in Scripture where the people of God let him down, and we kind of got the feeling that maybe God was going to wipe them out and, and stop there, but God was always able to find a remnant, a small portion of the people who would not worship Baal or other false gods, a small portion of the people who would not forget what God had done for them and would continue to worship and be faithful to God. Paul was a part of that remnant. Besides this, Paul argues God could never go back on God's promise. God had promised Abraham that he would give, them, give him a land flowing with milk and honey. He had promised him that his descendants would be numerous and that through his descendants, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The gifts and the calling of God, Paul says, are irrevocable. God does not change his mind about his promises. And this should bring us great comfort because it means that if we mess up, God doesn't mess up. It means that if we turn away from God, he doesn't give up on us. It means that when we are weak, God continues to be strong. It means that when we run away, he searches for us. It means that when we are disobedient, God continues to be faithful to his promises. God does not change his mind about these things. Did you see the news this week? Israel is making peace with the United Arab Emirates. If Paul was around to see this, he would probably say, see, God has not rejected his people. He is still working for their benefit. He has not given up on them. He still wants to save them. He still wants to keep his promises to them. He still wants them to live in peace. You want more proof? Then just look at the history of the 
modern nation of Israel. In 1949, the nation of Israel was established and almost immediately was attacked by its Arab neighbors. They were outnumbered over 10,000 to one on the ground, yet Israel won the day and continued to survive. In 1967, Israel was attacked on three fronts by Egypt, Syria, and Jordan at the same time. Again, Israel miraculously won the war despite being greatly outnumbered, and they did it in six days. I don't know if you've studied the history of war, but wars usually don't last only six days, especially not wars of this scale on three fronts. This war completely changed the map of the Middle East. It expanded Israel's territory back to promised land levels, and it restored the land that God had promised would be Israelite land. Many see these and other developments in Israel's history as proof that God's people will always be God's people and that God still hopes to save them through Jesus Christ, that God has not given up on the Jewish nation, but that God still longs for the day when they will come to know him. So what led to this question then of whether God has rejected his people? Because it's a very serious question to ask. If God had rejected his people, then that would mean that God can renege on his promises. It would mean that God cannot be trusted. So the Gentiles needed to know that even though the disobedience of the Jews had led to their salvation, that even though their rejection of Jesus had led to them being able to receive the good news, God had not reneged on his promises to Israel. He had not forgotten his covenant with Abraham. Because if God could not be trusted to keep his promise to Israel, then he would not be able to be trusted to save the Gentiles either. It is a very sound argument when you think about it. Paul argument, Paul's argument at times sounds a little bit childish, though. He basically says, we have all been disobedient, and God has allowed us to be disobedient so that he may be merciful to all of us so he can forgive and save us. You see, if we didn't mess up, we wouldn't need a savior, but we do. If we didn't sin, we wouldn't need forgiveness, but we do. If we didn't run away from God, he wouldn't have to search for us, but he does, because we do. And if we didn't get lost all the time, he, we wouldn't need to be found, but we get lost all the time, don't we? And if we didn't disobey God, we wouldn't need mercy, but we do it all the time as well, and we do need mercy. Paul sees how God has used even our disobedience to save us and reach us. When the Jews turned away from Jesus, he welcomed the Gentiles, and, and he got with them and saved them through Jesus Christ. And Paul uses an interesting illustration here that makes us think of dating, you know. God's first love was the Israelite people. 
and he dated them and he made promises to them and he promised to love them and to cherish them. And the Israelites basically turned away from God and, and, and started doing their own thing. And God basically turned to the, to the Gentiles and they welcomed God with open arms and it was like God had taken a new love in the Gentiles a people who embrace salvation and grace and the promises of Jesus Christ. But God has never stopped loving Israel. He has never stopped embracing them and promising to keep his covenants with them. But Paul says God is using the Gentiles to make the Israelites jealous. He wants to get them to be jealous enough of what salvation the Gentiles have received and what blessings they have received in Jesus Christ, that they will turn to Jesus and accept him as their Lord and Savior. You see, at the end of the day, God is not looking to have a relationship with just one or the other. God is looking to have a relationship with all of us, Jews and Gentiles. He has made promises and he intends to keep them. And these promises are trustworthy. Paul wanted to make sure these Gentiles understood that God does not deviate from his promises. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Paul goes to great length to affirm this in the face of Israel's disobedience and rejection because he wanted them to understand that God was adding them to his people not replacing his people with them. The new Israel was now those who would believe in Jesus Christ by faith, not by the law, not by their heritage or race, not because they were descendants of Abraham. God has promised to be merciful to Jews and Gentiles alike, but he needs us to accept Jesus Christ in order for us to be able to enjoy that mercy. This promise includes you and it includes me. Because unless you're of Jewish descent, then you're a Gentile like, like I am. And you see, oftentimes when we think about God giving out mercy, we often think about it in the, in the mindset of scarcity. Like we do a pizza. If we get a pizza and you have a slice and I have a slice, there's less, less pizza to go around, less to distribute to everybody else. But when it comes to God's grace and mercy, when he gives out grace and mercy to the world, he does so in such abundant way that it never runs out. There's always more to give and there's always room for more people at the table. God is faithful. He keeps his promises. And even God does not, even though God does not change, the scripture reminds us that we need to change. We need to learn to be more obedient to God when he tries to direct us in our lives. We need to learn to be more thankful for being included in the family of God and thankful for the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. We need to learn to trust God because when he promises something or says something to us, he really means it and he will carry it through. We need to learn to return God's love and not to turn away from him. And we need to learn to appreciate what God has done for us in his son, Jesus Christ. 
because it cost God a lot to become one of us and die on that cross to forgive our sins. We should come to understand that God's offer of salvation is available to everyone and that just because someone else is forgiven and welcome does not mean that God loves us any less because there's enough of God's love to go around. God will always keep his promises and he will always be faithful because that is God's nature and that is who God is. So today I just want to say to you, continue to trust that when God says he will forgive you, he does. Continue to trust that when God says he'll pick you up if you fall, he will. Continue to believe that when God says he'll heal you, he will. Continue to trust that if God says he will supply your need, he will supply your need. We need to learn to trust that God is faithful even when we fail to be. And we need to seek to be more faithful to him. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, that your mercy and grace is greater than our disobedience. We thank you, O Lord, that you continue to reach out to us to seek us out and to save us. And we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world to give his life to forgive our sins. We ask on this day, O Lord, that you will help us to continue to invite others into this great family, that they will know that they also can be included because Jesus came to save all who are lost and we all are lost without him. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.